Hello, everyone. Happy Sunday. And this is. Lazy and too tired to ride, it seems like. But so anyways, um, this week's episode, I think it's 22, maybe 23. I don't know. It'll be in the title. You guys can read, I hope. Um, so this episode is actually gonna be kind of a special one. Um, so this is marking the first time that we have ever had a actual presidential candidate on this um, uh, on the show. Um, so or, well, in this case, vice presidential candidate. So I'm with uh, John Phillips right now. He's the uh, party chair of the he's the Illinois Libertarian Party County Chair for Macon County, and he is the running mate to Kim Ruff, who is running for president in 2020 for the Libertarian Party. So, John, welcome to the show, and uh, I appreciate you uh, lowering your standards to this extent. Not a problem. I don't consider lowering my standards. I'm always happy to talk. Hey, that's that's a uh, that's a great thing for me to hear, and certainly uh, helps pad my ego. Um, <laughs> all right, so um, uh, basically, you know, the Libertarian Party, while it is the third largest party in the country, as you know, due to a lot of uh, really partisan BS um, with collaboration and conspiring between the Republicans and Democrats. Libertarians have kind of had a rough time getting the message out, especially as we saw in 2016 on the debate stage, where Gary Johnson was never once allowed on stage, because wasn't the standard 15% of the um, in polls in order to be up on stage? It was 15%, which interestingly a lot of people don't know this, was raised after Ross Perot's run. It used to be 5%. Yeah, so um, uh, that really uh, says a lot right there about the uh, two-party machine. But so anyways, um, really, um, you know, I have a few issues picked out. I told you what they were before the show. That I really do want to discuss both because I'm a, of my viewpoints on them, and so we can kind of uh, show that libertarians don't actually hate each other whenever they disagree on, potentially on something, but also just to um, kind of get the libertarian message out. So um, the first one of these is I let you know is I'm um, a single pair healthcare. So this is one of those that personally um, I've actually seen a bit of uh, evolution on over the few over the past couple of years, for the better or worse. Um, so you know a couple of years ago, granted this was back when I'm a uh, this I actually so I came out and for reference I came out as trans in uh, 2016 January 2016, and um, uh, before then you know and even after that for a couple of years um, you know I was diehard you know free market you know no public option no single payer healthcare, um, but then recently after I started my transition, maybe it's just because that my insurance is, is kind of bad, um, uh, that I've been kind of thinking you know maybe public option is all right so obviously um uh, how about uh, so I just kind of want to hear what you think about single-payer healthcare, and I apologize for a little bit of rambling right there, but hey, not enough coffee. Ramble away, it's not a problem. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not a fan simply because of trouble believing that the government could do anything right. Uh, but uh, I'm also not a fan, uh, just when, when they did the Obamacare thing, uh, I had, I, I'm a small business owner, and so I was you know, I had my own health insurance that I was purchasing, and then when I passed Obamacare, more than doubled. Yeah. And then the, uh, so I had to apply for the subsidies, and then, oh, you can get the subsidies, but you can't get it for your kids because your kids qualify for an Illinois program called All Kids, and so they forced my kids on the Medicaid. Oh, that's wonderful. That's and so... And so I'm kind of experienced both sides of it. And, yeah. Uh, the uh, the Medicaid is a nightmare. Uh, 
with my Blue Cross Blue Shield, I, I don't have any problems at all. I pay my bill, I, you know, I, go, to the, you know, I go to the doctor. And, you know, there's, there are some co-pays and things like that, you know, obviously. Uh, but getting coverage on the Medicaid is, you know, uh, oh, you can only get four prescriptions a month. Well, what if you have a health problem that requires you to take a lot of prescriptions? Yeah. Yeah. Be- you can fight your way through it. You can fight your way through it every month. Yeah, I mean, because just you know, like just with my hormones, um, uh, I mean, that right there would take up all four of my uh, all four of my prescriptions. Right. The uh, and then uh, you know, I've done lots of research on it, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's the biggest problem with healthcare. Go ahead, I can't afford it, uh, and they're absolutely right. Basically. Yeah. Uh, and the problem is, is they don't really understand why they can't afford. Yeah, because I mean, really, my argument is is that we would actually have a lot more affordable health care if we just did away with health insurance altogether. Now, of course, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. There's actually a great book on that subject that I'm getting the name of right now, but I own a copy of. Uh, the lady who wrote it um, spoke at the Minnesota State Commission, and she talked about how uh, about how the the third yeah the third party payment system uh, really jacked the rates up. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, because I mean. Per- Personally, um, you know, with my insurance plan being as high as it is, it's actually cheaper cheaper for me to go into uh, my uh, uh, doctor's appointments and say, hey, I'm just not going to run it through my insurance than to actually run it through my insurance because, you know, they just have a policy where the uninsured get a better discount. And so it's like, you know, would I rather spend almost 75 per appointment every three months or would I rather have to spend 150 or 200? Uh, and would you rather have to spend a couple hundred a month yeah. Plus your your copay. Yeah, exactly. And the, and, the, and, the, and what a lot of people don't realize too is uh, how uh, if in the Medicaid and Medicare have affected the the insurance aspect of it too by imposing a bunch of regulations that have caused the the price of medic of uh, medical care to go through the roof. For instance, when was the last time you went to a doctor and they didn't have a scribe? Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I ever have. Uh, well, and that you know that that's because of the Medicare legis- uh, regulations, and it's not even legislation. It's the Medicare agency writing these regulations, not even running it through Congress. Yeah. The uh, and then they and so you know I mean just that extra cost, and then they, they require certain hookups to be able to send prescriptions and things like that, and that could cost a practice ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah, and what? And, you know, so, yeah. Go ahead. I, I'm more of a free market, yeah. uh, uh, healthcare person, um, simply because as you as you look around and you see these free market things happen, uh, prices drop and healthcare becomes more affordable. Matter of fact, last I checked, two of the top three in the world were very free market. There, I mean, there was there was there's obviously a little bit of government regulation and. and uh, there is a safety net for for people who need it. Yeah. But uh, the uh, but Singapore and, and Switzerland are both very free market in healthcare, and they're and they're top of the world in both cost of care and success of care. Yeah, and I'm um, uh, one thing that I mean, you know, this is going to sound really ironic, but one reason that I really wouldn't mind a public option, but of course this would require um uh, the companies to actually uh, see, you know, kind of see the next step, is to um uh really see how um uh how the companies would respond and how the people would respond now of course obviously this would be better in some sort of simulated environment but we really can't do that 
Um, now, of course, I'm not advocating directly for public option here. I'm just stating like why I, how I think it could work in a positive way. But I think really what we need to see happen is um, uh, A, we need the government to um, uh, um, decrease these ridiculous regulations. But B, um, we really need to see how the private how the private industry can actually force its hand and be like, hey, look, you really need to start cutting your cut your cutting your prices because we're just not going to pay this because you know to um uh, we're having to give our customers our premium payers too much of a uh, or too high of a bill both in premiums and also in the stuff that we're not going to cover. So I'm almost wondering if a public option wouldn't actually force companies' hands and be like, you know what, we're just not going to pay you. Do you see where I'm going with that? Yeah, I do. I, I'm not sure how that would work. I... Yeah, I'm not sure how it would either, but it's just kind of like I'm a, one of those crazy ideas that I've had in the past. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because the question, you know, uh, and the, uh, you might get, what you might get is, uh, you know, if, like right now, part of the problem with the Medicaid as opposed to the Medicare, well, a lot of doctors won't take it. Uh, yeah. They, uh, they go... Yeah, and so you wonder if if we went to a single payer, would we, you know, would we require all the doctors to take it? Yeah. Or, or would we, or would they have the option to not accept it and say, hey, you can come pay me cash? Yeah, and and then you kind of have the um uh, the argument of uh, um, you know, forced labor versus uh, is someone actually working because they want to, or are they working because they absolutely have to? Right, and it, and the. Uh, and you know the other thing, the interesting statistic about it right now is something like forty-eight percent or forty-nine percent of medical professionals are looking to get out of the field, and the low, by far the most cited reason is intrusion that they feel does not let them care for their patients, and so I you know and all that all that intrusion once again is coming from the Medicare people our government tries to do a single-payer system through the government, they're just going to expand Medicare, both of which have all kinds of issues. And so it's like, okay, why would we expand a bad system? Yeah, because, yeah, and going off of what you just said about the um, uh, doctors looking to leave the field, I remember an article from last year, and I just found it, um, an NBC News article talking about of how um, uh, um, the Association of American Medical, Medical Colleges is predicting a shortage of a... Forty-two and a half thousand to one hundred twenty-one thousand physicians by twenty thirty, which is absolutely astounding to me. Because, yeah, as you know, it's like these are not jobs that are uh, that don't pay. I mean, it's like these are very well-paying jobs. But I mean, if the stress is that high because of all these uh, all this excess red tape, you know, that is, that just shows that there's a uh, inherent there's a systematic problem there that we need to address sooner rather than later. And some of that, and some of that, simply it, it, it's because. The doctors now, because of all this red tape, just don't have the time to see the patients. Yeah. They got to spend if they spend ten minutes with a patient, they have to spend twenty minutes doing paperwork on that patient. Yeah, it's like that's that's obviously going to cause them a problem later on. Right. Whereas, yeah. you know, so that's why I'm more of a free market kind of person. Yeah. So, you know, free market rewards efficiency. Yeah, and I'm uh, you know, because kind of going off of the um, uh, what what you just said about the report writing. I mean, I've done a few ride-alongs um, with several uh, with multiple police departments, and each in each and every case, you know, an officer, you know, I think the most stops we, the most calls that we had in one night, were well, I'm I'm not going to include the last one I did because those were almost entirely sick calls, 
But um, the one time that we actually had a pretty significant stop, um, it lasted about 30 minutes, and the officer I was with ended up doing an hour and a half of report riding. But the difference between those two situations is there was shift overlap, so there are other officers on the street while he was in the station writing the, his reports. But obviously, with a doc, in a doctor's office, especially a sole practitioner's office, you just can't have that. Right. Which is and a lot of you know, I mean, you know, so you either do it or you pay somebody else to do it. Yeah. And if you pay somebody else to do it, well, then that goes under your overhead, so then you have to charge your customers for it. So either way, it's yeah. And not only are you paying their salary, but if they're full-time, you're also probably going to have to pay for medical insurance because that field is so competitive that they'll just go to a bigger hospital that will give them benefits. Yeah, and so... Go ahead. The auxiliary fees, that the like, all these, like the, the clicking the computers up and all this stuff, that they make them do so many, uh, so many people that would have their own practice are just either folding or rolling into the hospitals so that they don't have that expense and of course then that adds you know a whole different level of care and and, and expense issues yeah i mean because you know like even i mean because just going off of the expense of uh, having to buy all these computers you know i mean i you know because i mean obviously you could just get a cheap uh netbook computer but that's going to be like 300 bucks as it is and it's not going to last that long and it's also yeah well no no yeah yeah i yeah i was gonna i was about to go there and it's like you know so you have this really you have this already fairly significant amount entry fee just for a scribe and then on top of that like you were going it like you said you know the networking then it it just goes it just gets more and more expensive obviously capping off with the salary but still yeah so it's like obviously if we went with a single payer system we would have to dramatically reduce regulations but happen as soon as you let the government involve regulations are not going to go down yeah exactly i mean uh it's like you know one of the few quotes from reagan that i th that still holds true is one of the scariest words in the english language are i'm from the government and i'm here to help right um and it's like i can't it's kind of ironic that i'm citing reagan but i mean you know it's a very accurate statement and really that's one of the big reasons that i really uh started calling myself a libertarian like god hold up let me think yeah council, 10 years ago I would uh, ask people when they start talking about, well, what do you mean get government out of the way? Don't, don't we need the government to do this? Don't we need the government to do that? Say, tell me the last thing government did well. Oh, man. <laughs> and yeah. I would wait. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, you know, somebody would come up with some answer. And then I, you know, but most of the time, they just wait and wait and wait. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's such a point. And if they did come up with an answer, like uh, one lady here said, oh, well, we put fiber optic in. But did you do it well? Yeah. It's like, because did you do it as well at, a, um, at, the same, at the same cost as a private company would have or has in the past? It's like, that's really what the comparison has to be. I mean, now, there are some cities that have succeeded in that. Mine is not one of them, but... Yeah. Yeah, um, actually, um, uh, this this... Yeah, this is kind of off topic, but since we're on the topic of uh, government screwing up, are you familiar? Have you ever heard of a uh, Project Salvo? Name is so. Ba so I, it's, that was kind of sorry. That all right. So basically, what Project Salvo was is um, it was I believe it was back in uh, Vietnam, or no, or was it before Vietnam? Um, so basically, what it was is it was this um, uh, 
and I really hope they have this some uh, that I have the name right. But basic um but basically what it was is it was a bullet that the army was trying to uh um was trying to create or a cartridge that the army was trying to create that had two bolt two uh seven six two NATO rounds in it in an in an effort to uh help uh increase accuracy per shot. But each individual round itself ended up costing like four or five times as much as a regular 7.62 NATO round would. And of course, the, pro the project was actually abandoned, but they tested it, um, at least to my knowledge, uh, pretty uh, um, pretty extensively, which is insane in my mind, with how much money they must have spent on it. But that's just one example I could think of of the government really screwing something up that is really kind of obvious. And that was before they ended up going to the M16 anyways, so it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> And how much money have they spent on the F-35 that still isn't 100%? Oh, God. Oh, you just, you just, you just uh, gave me my trigger. Um, so, so full disclosure, um, I actually, or genuinely hate the F-35. Um, so I was actually planning on going to the Air Force and, and to become a fighter pilot. And even before my recruiter, I screwed up and thought I was a sophomore, not a junior, um, which it was by then it was too late to turn my package in for the academy, which ended up being a good thing with Trump's uh, transgender ban. But um, one of the reasons I was kind of hesitant on actually joining the Air Force to become a pilot is I was actually concerned that I was going to end up flying an F thirty five, and you know so th the place projected to have a fifty five year lifespan, but the program itself is expected to cost one and a half trillion dollars, and I don't know how much it's cost already, but you know it's like. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And it's, and that's one reason that the uh, United States Air Force is actually looking to buy new F uh, a new round of F-15s. It's called the F-15X program. And it's base it's basically a Strike Eagle on steroids. Right. Which is pretty dope because I have too many posters of the F-15 in my room. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and that's a great thing, but, you know, we're still, I mean, we're still Sorry. working on, you know, the F-15 program, F-15 platform is what 30 years old um no, no it's uh 40 yeah yes yeah because yeah, i think it was uh originally originally put in service in 1971 it's somewhere around that. yeah and, that's, and so the uh, and so we're sitting here looking at a 45 to 50 year old platform yeah you know hey you can update that so much but yeah you're still working off a 45 50 year old platform yeah Oh yeah, so it was, so its first flight was in uh, July of 1972, and it was introduced into service uh, in January 9th of 76, so 43 years ago, which which is insane, <laughs> like it's utterly insane. All right, so um, now that we've uh, so yeah, now what do you think? So since, while we're on the subject of healthcare, just one last little uh, thing since we're talking about regulations, what do you think about the idea of uh, allowing people to import? Uh, cheaper foreign drugs oh, or absolutely. prescription yeah me too it's like i don't understand why we don't allow it like i was shocked when i heard that we didn't allow it uh, it's because some lobbyist that for a medical medical company paid some you know government that shouldn't have had the power i mean if you look the power to regulate to, to limit imports of medication is nowhere in the constitution yeah oh wait we wait we have a constitution we follow that that's news to me no we don't follow it <laughs> yeah <not>. yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so they shouldn't be able to do it at all, just like they shouldn't have been able to. I mean, you know, it took uh, it took a constitutional amendment to make alcohol illegal, 
but somehow it didn't take a constitutional amendment to make marijuana and all and all these other things illegal. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But uh, one of the reasons that medical care has gotten so expensive is the high price of medication. The FDA interferes with people releasing drugs, and they put all these regulations on it. Regulations, well, it's this lobbyist that works for this company. And so now, you know, like the EpiPen, the EpiPen's a perfect example. Yeah. The FDA put so many regulations on it. Happened to be exactly what the EpiPen was that they had patents on. So nobody else could make a comparable product because the FDA said it had to be like this, but somebody else had a patent on it. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, the EpiPen, they were able to jack the price way up. But, you know, that's government getting in the way and driving the car cost of care. Yeah. Um, I mean, perf- another example of it is um, uh, my mom, uh, she takes us to Lara for psoriatic arthritis. And each one of those, and so one dose um, uh, without any insurance or any discounts is $5,000 for one shot. Wow. Yeah. And um, uh, there's been a couple times when her insurance said that they weren't going to cover it. And thankfully, um, uh, um, she was able to get, they ended up covering it, but it's like, you know, if there's one time where they end up not covering it at all, you know what I mean? It's like, she's going to be screwed. So. And that, I mean, and honestly, I'm going to say that that's probably my my last objection to single payer from the government versus health insurance. Um, got its flaws, and I, I would love to get back to the straight cash system. Uh, honestly, I think that the debt and financing that we have buried our country in from top to bottom is the reason that everything's, you know, it's driven prices of everything. Land. Oh, yeah. With your health insurance, who, if they d- deny the coverage, you can fight them, you can argue with them, you can, you can theoretically, you can switch companies. Yeah, but in the case, in the case of single payer, you're out of luck. Yeah, if, if the government says no, who are you going to go to? Yeah own pocketbook and well congratulations the costs are so inflated as is you're not gonna be able to afford anything right so so there's lots of you know it's to be some work there but i just have trouble believing that the government's the right way to go yeah i i definitely agree with you on that i'm uh despite my shock factor hypothesis obviously that's not going to work so um next topic is um uh guns and gun rights but i think with the libertarian party um you and i i'm just going to go off on a very far limb here and say that we pretty much agree on gun rights um but i I, regardless before i say my stance i actually want to hear um, what you think and then i'll basically just be like oh hey yeah either i agree with you on everything or you know maybe we should uh think about this differently so go personally uh I think that they should re- repeal every gun restriction at least as far back as 1934. Okay, we agree. <laughs> yep, that answers everything. We agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh, you know, every time institutes any kind of weapon control, not just gun control, but they did they did it with bows and arrows, they did it with swords, they did, they've done it with all invariably a control mechanism for the government to be able to control the populace. Yeah. And most time to the populace is detriment. So, you know, I kind of just have a problem with that. Yeah, me too. I mean, especially when, whenever you look at the origins of uh, gun control and how uh, they were really used to keep down the African-American and other minority communities. 
Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, Native Americans and African Americans were the first targets of, yeah. of, of, of gun control in the United States. But you know, it's all about uh, it's all about saving kids. It's not at all about I'm uh, of course I'm being totally sarcastic here because I mean obviously it's just a pure authoritarian overreach. If it was a, if it was all about saving kids, they'd take guns away from cops. Yeah, really. Yeah, I mean you know there's a statistic, statistic and it's a true one. I checked it out. Killed more people in the last three years than all of the mass shootings in recorded history. Yeah, I mean the issue with that statistic though is how many of those is like you know what how many of those uh. Uh, police shootings were actually justified and i know that there is like an issue with like which ones are justified but then again this is where i'm kind of a little bit of a bootlicker i guess um but you know i i in all fairness i am a little bit biased don't you know i mean there are times when they're justified there yeah. are and so it's uh but how much of that is okay how much of that is because the police escalated the situation yeah the, uh, i mean you know uh I forget it was I- Iceland, I believe it was. They had their first police shooting in like 30 years. Yeah. Um, and because their police don't, they don't explain situations. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so, the, so and, yeah. So that was actually back in um, uh, 2013. That was the very first. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as of 2016, it's um, uh, that's still the case. Only one. Uh, only one death. Yeah, and they, they just don't have it. And, you know, it, I mean, it's a cultural difference. There's lots of reasons. But a lot of it is just, I mean, these interactions didn't have to happen because they've made something illegal that shouldn't have been illegal. Yeah. And then, or, you know, and, and a variety of reasons, you know. And so the, uh, uh, but I, my, that's off the top of the kind of control. Personally, if you, you should be able to own whatever you want. Probably minus recreational nukes. I probably wouldn't go like that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, as awesome as it would be to have a nuclear weapon with a uh, Burger King uh, sticker on it, I, do, I have to agree with you. That's a little bit too far. But um, that actually, rem- man, I have a picture on my phone. I'll send it to you after we're done. Um, but it's a picture of a recreational nuclear weapon, and it was on like one of those political, uh, um, political compass charts. And of course, it was on like you know the libertarian uh, capitalist side of things. But I'll set, I'll have to find that after we're done and I'll send it to you because uh, three years worth of memes on this phone and things could be hard to find after a while. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nice. But, you know, and when I'm trying to send it through Facebook, especially because they don't, yeah, they don't let me search through my gallery, they just give me a list of all the pictures on my phone. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, it, it, it is, and like even though I'm going like on my gallery right now trying to find it, it's gonna be like, okay, when did I exactly get this picture? Because it has been so long since i remember seeing it last like i think it's on this phone it might be on my old phone but anyways regardless that's something for me to do after we're done here um but yeah so you know one thing one other thing about gun control that i want to say is um it is actually like kind of limiting my options of where i'm going to go to uh, law school because you know like obviously i want to go to law school but i also want it to be in a state where i'm uh you know i won't have to sell any of my firearms right now or that's any of my firearms I have right now. And right now, my favorite one, of course, it's an evil AR. Guess what, guess what I would have to sell? And it's like, I really don't want to because, you know, I mean, I really like that thing. And it's really fun. And, and it's cool. And it's edgy. But, you know, it's like, I mean, as soon as I realized that I would have to either permanently modify it or just get rid of it in the first place, it's like, you know, it's like, is California really a good place to go? Which, of course... You know, for me personally, California has its pros and cons. The weather's fantastic, good social environment, but like the taxes and the gun control, it's like, oh man, it's like you're ruining it for everyone. 
But anyways, yeah, so I'm a... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I lived in Arizona, and my money their grandma's quite... I'm going back because like, you know, the cost of housing out there, I was looking at um, student student apartments, you know, like off campus and um, uh, the cheapest one I could find was a really sketchy one. That was a three bedroom. And um, uh, it was still, I think it was either 12 or $1,400 plus parking. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me. And that's cheap. Robert. Yeah. And because the apartment that I'm looking at um, over in downtown St. Louis is 605 for a studio. 605, 605 bucks a month for a 500 square foot studio. And it's like, wow, that is not bad at all. Especially after I saw that price for California. So um, I'm very pro-choice. Um, now I do have an issue like with uh, third trimester abortions, but then again, um, those are only uh, performed, at least to my knowledge, like whenever there's actually a medical emergency that basically requires them to be performed. Um, and so it's like, you know, those... Like, that's why I kind of find those restrictions kind of silly. But at the same time, um, I am kind of, like, morally hesitant on the concept itself, especially after, like, you know, halfway through the second trimester. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it is, it, yeah. It's a, it's a tough subject. Yeah. Uh, and here's what it comes down to for me. And it really comes down to for me is, is that whether you're pro-choice or pro-life or whatever, it comes down to a moral belief, actual one. The idea, when do you, when, when do you believe life begins? And then honestly, yeah, what does that term even mean? Yeah, because it's like, because for me personally, I generally go by the point of viability, which I believe in, yeah, it was Roe that the court basically was like, yeah, you know, we're not going to even comment on that. But generally it's considered to be the third trimester. And so, I, like, I think that that's a really fair cutoff because by then you really should have made a decision. And in most, if not nearly all cases, the decision has already been made by then. Right. And, um, uh, and like, you know, these heartbeat bills, it's like, that's absolutely ridiculous because what is it like? Is it six weeks in that? Um, uh... Yeah, something like that. I yeah. Mean, you know, something, it's, a, it's a very short period of time. Yeah, six weeks. And it's like most women don't even know that they're pregnant within that time frame. Right. Right. You know, I mean, and you know, like, you know, it could happen that say you got pregnant right after, right after your last period. It's unusual, but it happens. Yeah. And, and and so four weeks before you're even late. Yeah. And then most women don't even worry about being up to a week late. Yeah, and so it's like by the time you get into a doctor, you're past six weeks. Yeah, or even if you're not past six weeks, you have to wait 72 hours or whatever it is. Well, congratulations, now you're too late. Right. And, um, uh... So it really comes up, I mean, and when does, you know, I mean, you know, how do you even define life beginning? You know, a lot of the religious people would say, hey, when the soul enters the body, and all kinds of things. Well, there's, there's a scientific way to prove that. It's a faith-based, uh, it's a faith decision. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because I'm a, you know, so many of my, I'm a, so, you know, so many, well, so I, I have a, a, a pretty diverse group of friends. Um, not, I, I don't even, well, I take that back. I don't have a single evangelical friend, um, I, at least a conservative evangelical Christian friend. I wonder why. Um, but, you know, like, aside from that, you know, I mean, um, a, most of my friends, you know, they're either agnostic or atheist. I mean, you know, and so, Whenever, they, it's really interesting, especially I'm a, one of them, 
whenever she's having a conversation with someone who's a Christian about abortion and they bring up the soul argument and she's just like, well, I don't believe that that exists. It's always interesting to see how that person responds because it's always from a position of authority that they're basing on the Bible. And whenever the person that you're uh, either debating or just having a discussion with doesn't accept that authority, your argument has absolutely no legs to stand on. And so it's, that, it's supposed to be, at least, the exact same effect in government because of the separation of church and state. But in all honesty, how often do we see that actually uh, taken seriously? I mean, in all seriousness, like, that's actually kind of a question. How often we take the separation of church and state seriously? Yeah, I mean, because I'm trying to think, and I just cannot think of... Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I mean, now, granted, it wasn't originally in our Pledge of Allegiance, but it has been for 60 or 70 years. Yeah. And um, uh, there's, there's a... Go ahead. Full codes all kind, all over courtrooms and and all kinds of... Yeah, I mean, so, you know, it, it definitely is not taken too seriously at all. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, always a wonderful time whenever you have, to re- you have to rely on the Satanic Temple in order to be able to uh, enforce the separation of church and state. Right. Which right, you know, the when and the uh, you know they just actually tried to, well, I forget what city it was but uh, they had they had a satanic they were trying to rotate through all the religions in town to let them give the prayer before the city council. Oh yeah, I saw that. I think that was in Arizona. To let the satanic temple in, and of course all the protesters were yelling and screaming. <laughs> so we couldn't hear what he had to say. Yeah, that was that was wonderful. Um, but the flip side of that was, I was just up at the Pride Parade in Chicago at uh, the end of June, and you know the usual small group of haters that were you know religious based. Yeah. And uh, the uh, and I'm walking down the street. They've got to say because people just set up in front of them and put speakers out. We're playing live music and. So, you know, that works both ways. Yeah, um, uh, and that's the wonderful thing about protest. Um, but uh, have you ever heard of the uh, YouTube channel Enrange TV? I don't do All right, YouTube. gotcha. So basically, it's a, um, uh, um, a Patreon-funded uh, guns channel. Um, and one of the co-hosts, um, Carl Casarda, I think his name, last name is, um, he's actually... So if you listen to him, he's um, uh, you know, obviously a very independent person, very privacy-oriented. Um, and But he... So he, there was a bit of a... Um, uh, thing going around a year ago about um, him uh, doing this thing for the satanic temple and being a practicing satanist and people need it's always amazes me of how people get so freaked out about it until they realize that the satanic temple is basically a um, uh, a shell organization if you will to uh to enforce the separation of church and state and it's like that's why he's part of it too it's like yeah you know they're really edgy but it's like they're basically edgy atheists that are part of a religion to sue governments with if that makes any sense at all. I have never been so happy in my life as when they got the pasta firings. Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I so actually I have a funny story about the about the uh, Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Um, so a few years ago, my mom took me to a trivia night that this church thing was holding, and the trivia table that I was with, um, you know, we were supposed to have a. Uh, um, names for it and you know I was the only person that was there under 20 at the time everyone else was at least 55 years old and we're trying to figure out um, uh, what um, uh, what we should name our team and I was like the flying spaghetti monster 
and they're like, why? And I'm like, because it's funny. And not not one of them. Of course, you know, they're all um, uh, um, pretty conservative Christians. They didn't realize what it actually was. <laughs> and so that was just like kind of a wonderful little troll that I was able to pull off for the that entire night. But that's totally off topic. But still quite entertaining. Oh, oh yeah. Well <laughs> yeah, it's like it's hearing, seeing the seeing the host, I'm going to say Flying Spaghetti Monster. It's like, ooh, this is this is just glorious, especially especially since he was actually um one of the, um yeah they're called, I try to remember what his title was because like he wasn't the main pastor but he was like a secondary guy, um it was it was at one of those non denominational churches, yeah but it, it was it was still kind of funny though um because I was after pretty much I realized I was like yeah yeah you know what I'm really not a fan of religion, and so I'm just gonna troll you here a little bit, um uh, I thought the movie Dogma covered religion. Actually, I'm going to um, look that up real quick because it actually sounds pretty interesting, especially since I have some time on my hands tonight. Because um, on my gaming laptop, I'm downloading um, uh, um, Black Ops 3, and the Black Ops 3 Zombies Deluxe Edition, and it's like 100 gigabytes, and so I'm terrified to see how long that's going to take. Right. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah, if, you haven't seen, if you haven't seen Dogma, I heavily recommend it. Yeah. It's... A, it's, a, it's just hysterical yeah uh, you know they've got uh what uh oh now i forget the name it was it's a uh, black comedian uh chris rock as the 13th apostle oh jeez, i can already tell that that's gonna be great yeah and, uh, uh you know matt damon and uh ben affleck as uh as angels that are trying to get back into heaven <laughs> and yeah, yeah it's yeah it's hysterical they have they they talk about uh, Chris Rock actually talks about how they uh, uh, religion has taken what was a good idea and ruined it. Yeah. So it's it's very good. So kind of like with what government did to uh, charity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah what government has done to charity. God. Yeah, it it always amazes me though of how um uh, um poor people always are the ones who make the most charitable donations. And the rich people who do it literally do it just for a um, uh, just for a tax write-off, and not always, but in so many cases. Yeah, in so many cases, and that's you know, I mean, I I uh, I don't even track my charitable charitable donations. Yeah, I was like, and, uh, it's I like neither do I. Write them off. I don't. I you know, I mean, I could because um, it is a substantial part of my portion of my income that I do donate, but I just I just don't because that's not why. Yeah, I know, and it's like. You know, there, there's a notable billionaire that graduated from the um, university that I go to. Um, you know, he, he he does donate a lot of money, and I really do understand it. But it's like, you know, his name is on the School of Business. It's on the uh, the athletic arena. And it's like, and, and he paid for the trip that I took out to San Jose with um, 24 of my fellow uh, students. And, you know, it's like, yeah, it was great and all that. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of tainted whenever I look up, whenever I go into school each day and I see you know, arena, you know, on the top of that building, I'm like, well, that's why he's doing it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, here's, I... It's like, it, it's really is kind of a double-edged sword there, though, because he does do a lot of good stuff, but it's like, you know, how much of that is a tax write-off as well? Yeah, I, uh, my, you know, of course, being, you know, a libertarian, I'm not a big fan of taxes, so taking advantage of a tax write-off, you know, I don't object to yeah. that too much. And I honestly... Yeah, you know, there's always that moral debate. Do I, you know, if as long as you're doing the right thing, yeah. Do I really care why you're doing it? Yeah, 
I mean, I, I think like it's just something with me where because I've been in so many, I've seen so many situations where someone does something with bad, does a good thing with bad intentions, and it's like you know it, and then you kind of think about it, and it's like it kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth. But at the same time, yeah, and so it's like that's kind of why I look at why I kind of overanalyze too much. It's not a healthy thing to do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it is. I don't ever tell someone, oh, yeah, that good thing that that person just did. You should totally overanalyze it. It's like I tried not to I tried to not do it, but I do it anyways. As you just uh, as you just heard me uh, uh, profess to the world, I guess. <laughs> We all fall into that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard not to because you know whenever you see someone, you know, well, you know, it's like whenever you see someone do something really big like that, it's like, okay, well, why are they doing that? There must there must be an ulterior motive. Yeah, sometimes, and that's honestly, I think, because sometimes they sometimes they just you know, yeah, we've, taken, we've just been made so jaded and so cynical that we assume that. Yeah, it's like we're almost uh, drop dead cynical. Uh, and then you know. And sometimes the reason could just be because it makes somebody feel good. And yeah. Just, oh, well, you just did that because it makes you feel good. Uh, it's like, that's a good reason to do it. It's like, if it makes you feel good, that's totally fine. Yeah. It's, you know, it makes me feel good to help these kids. Is that a problem? Yeah. It's like, it shouldn't be. It's like, if it is, um, then then you have a problem with your own uh, moral code of ethics. Because it's like, so, or, because basically whenever you take that line of thinking, it's like, okay, so you're saying that any good, that any good act I do must therefore make me feel miserable and it's like that's not the point of it that's not yeah you know, i mean it should make you feel good to do good yeah because it's like otherwise you know doing bad would have uh you know no no real cost to it because like oh hey yeah you know i just gave that homeless guy twenty dollars versus you know and it's like okay so you know are you supposed to feel good about that or are you supposed to feel bad that you just lost 20 bucks i mean you know the answer should be obvious, but apparently it isn't in those cases. Right. Yeah, or at least to some people. Yeah, that's that's what I meant. To, that's thanks for clarifying that. But yeah, so what one thing I think this will probably be the closing uh, remarks since uh, we've been on here for probably about forty five minutes already. Yeah, forty three minutes, not bad. Um, uh, so obviously, you know, like we're not neither of us are a big fan of taxes um, for various reasons. Um, me personally. I'm cheap and I think the government wastes money. Um, but while this wasn't ever really the intended topic of this, I really do think that I'm a, um, we should uh, um, do away with taxes and just like Social Security, um, uh, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and really just leave it up to private charity, like localized private charities and allow them to uh, do, do what they need to. And people will be more willing to donate because, you know, they'll have more money in the bank and they'll have more just quote-unquote disposable income oh, and you can see and you see that every day because like if people do donate to that stuff now uh and so the if you get and you take that taxation out you take some of the government restrictions out of it like you know not allowing churches to let homeless people stay there yeah so you know where that guy got arrested how many times for feeding the homeless like thank goodness the, start, the supreme court finally woke, woke up on that God, that, that still pisses me off every single time I think about that. But, uh, uh, you know, part of parts, I think all taxation should go away. But yeah. in, my, in my grasp of reality, I realize that's not going to happen. Yeah. Not anytime soon. Yeah. Um, yeah, because... My first preference would be to go to 
one tax. Yeah. Like, do away with all the uh, income tax. Like, well, do especially do away with the death tax. Like, please, just do away with that. Do away with that. You know, uh, pick your favorite tax. And another one of my favorites. Yeah. With all of them except one. And, and, and by that, I mean, I include for stuff everything. Yeah. And they, and they all come out in one check. And the reason, and I kind of favor income tax on this just because it's easier for people to see. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you put every single tax and you took out all the hidden taxes and all the all the taxes that you pay that you don't even know that you're paying because they've been ta- this corporation's been taxed and they've passed the tax down to you or the all that out and all of a sudden people realized that in a very real sense of the word. The taxes are too damn high. Yeah, fifty to sixty percent of what of their pay goes to cover taxes. Yeah, and that is absolutely insane to think about. And and, you, and you've got like the Illinois state government a few years ago putting six hundred thousand dollars doors on the state capitol. Yeah, it's like it, go down to Menards and buy a couple hundred dollar doors. Yeah, it's like you don't have to do that. Like you know, or just or if you're going for security, put blast doors on and just have them not look that great. It's like, but. God, yeah, you got you have to love the state of Illinois, though. I mean, the land of taxation, land of taxation, um, land of doubling the gas tax and like raising the diesel tax, however much it was, raising the vehicle registration tax, fifty percent. It's actually went up quite a bit less than the gas tax. Oh, really? Percent? Wow. Well, because you know, you know, because they're the trucking companies, and oh, and and Walmart that oh. has all their stuff shipped in by truck, and. Yeah. 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 I didn't realize that the that the diesel tax only went up by five cents. I think I just saw the forty five and a half cent uh, t- figure, and I thought that it was went up way more than that. And I think yeah, I think it it might actually be a total tax more than gas. Yeah. But uh, uh, but the yeah. gas tax double. Yeah, it's yeah, it's seven and a half cents more total for diesel than it is for gas. But yeah, the percentage was, I mean, the uh, the diesel fuel tax only went up by like. Twelve and a half percent versus a hundred percent. So, if we don't actually, uh, or I don't actually own a gas station anymore, so I track that less than I, I used to. But yeah, the uh, you know, I mean, even just fuel. I mean, now at two sixty a gallon with the new gas tax and the you know, sales tax and all that, very close to half of what you pay per gallon is taxes. Yeah, yeah, because I'm. Uh, I know. I know. Here it's I'm uh, three dollars a gallon. So, and they're not allowed to separate that out. Yeah, That's, people don't realize a lot of people realize that you're not allowed. As a gas station, you're not allowed to say, "Okay, it's a dollar fifty plus tax." Yeah, because otherwise it would look way too bad. Right. Exactly. And I found, of course, I found that out when my local city passed a five cent gallon tax, and I tried to do that. Yeah, and it was like, "Oh no, we can't do that because it would scare people." <laughs> right. Yeah. Somebody called. Somebody called the state and turned me in. Wow. No, you can't do that. Wow. That's all I can say is just wow. Right. Um, but so, um, let me think. There was something I was going to mention. Oh, um, so, so you know, since I, I know I was kind of railing against uh, tax write-offs for, uh, um, for donations, but what do you think about the idea of substituting charitable donations for uh, for taxes? So, like, let's say either you, Emma, either you pay taxes or you um 
or you like make a charitable donation, like to a charity of your choice. I well, that's the, the, I would have to say that. I, yeah. So basically, like what I'm thinking is, is I'm it's like kind of like more of a waste elimination strategy. Do you know what I'm saying? So like instead of. I love the idea. Yeah. But I would have. I honestly, I then think we would have to revisit and greatly restrict what we consider a charity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hands down. Because I mean, I can. Because like, there's a lot of churches around here that like claim to do charitable work, but like the restrictions placed on those who are actually inside is so bad. Or in the case of Salvation Army, where. Um, like, you know, in some of the women's shelters where they live in basically subhuman conditions. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, there, you know, I mean, so many churches are considered charities. You know, Joel Olstein's a multimillionaire, you know. Yeah, right. fuck that guy. Right. You know, and that's the, you know, so I would, I would be okay with that um, if churches off the charity list and made them form like okay hey if that church wants to have a soup kitchen they have to form a charitable organization for that yeah uh because i don't you know church to be a charitable organization oh okay if you give ten thousand dollars to the church that counts and they're buying a new organ yeah and it's like okay do you really need that because come on yeah i've actually never really thought about that um uh Make, essentially making churches a spin-off. Uh... Uh, huh. yeah, they're, they're, yeah. they're no longer tax... They make them no longer tax-free. Yeah. But if they, if they want to have... Okay, hey, I want to have... Have a separate group that's affiliated with our church that does actual charitable acts, then they can be affiliated and you can donate to the church and the church can donate to them or you can donate straight to them or, you know, however, but... Yeah. Be separate. Yeah. So, um, actually, um, so anyways, I think I've, I think, uh, I've taken up enough of your time. We've been going on for 52 minutes. Thank you so much again, John, for coming on. Um, good luck in the, uh, nomination process, nomination process with the LNC next year. It's in New Orleans, right? I know I was in New Orleans last year. It's in Austin. It's in, oh, Austin. Awesome. Um, Hey, I actually, one of the law schools I was thinking about applying to is UTA. So, but granted that'll be in, uh, it'll probably be in May again, won't it? The convention, uh, yeah, so it'll be uh, Memorial, uh, yeah, Memorial Day weekend, yeah, because I actually remember I'm a, I was supposed to go down to uh, Orlando back in 16 for uh, for Gary Johnson's uh nomination, but but I ended up uh having my graduation being the same weekend, so I had to uh, so I, I couldn't be a delegate to the Ellen to the Libertarian convention, which was very unfortunate, but hopefully, by our luck next year, you know, but we'll have to see because I'm graduating again next year, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you graduated college, so usually a little earlier. Yeah. Actually, I'm kind of curious when it... I'm, I'm just going to look up when Slew's graduation date is. Actually, um... Uh, well, well, wait, what, what do they... Don't they call, like, degree conferral or whatever it is? Because they have to... I'm going to look, I'm, uh, look uppity in college. I honestly don't know. Yeah, it's... Oh, yep, degree conferral. Uh, May 16th. So, yeah, it's actually earlier than it was for high school, by about a week. So, that's pretty cool. Anyways, John, um, thank you so much for... Sorry, go ahead. So you could theoretically come to Austin. Yeah, I, I could, uh, which would be uh, a, a great time. Let's see. Yep, twenty second to twenty fifth. So, uh, guess uh, be like, hey John, give me give me a bus ticket down there. Run. <laughs> but anyways, um, thank you, thanks again for coming on. Um, it was a great time having you on. Um, and th- thankfully the recording issue didn't seem I didn't seem to have any recording issues during the test. 
So um, I guess I'll message you on Facebook later on. Sounds good. All right, take care. All right, no problem. See ya.